This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Last week, Armizan Muhammad Ali, Minister in the Prime Minister's Department for Sabah, Sarawak Affairs and Special Duties, said that the reason JBA had dropped scholarships in medicine earlier this year was because of a projected oversupply of medical officers in a few years' time. Now, over the weekend, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim has said that he's discussed the matter with JBA and that these scholarships will continue to be offered. But the question remains, what exactly is our healthcare system struggling with and are we really doing enough to address deep-seated problems beyond offering scholarships for aspiring healthcare workers? So joining me to discuss what can we do, um, how can we better measure the needs of our of our population is Professor Dr. Dr. Syed Mohamed Aljunit, Professor in Health Economics Policy and Management. He's also the President of the Malaysian Health Economic Association. Thank you so much for joining us today, Prof. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me in this uh, uh, in this session. Now, let's first talk about, I guess, how many healthcare workers we should have, right? Because that's often the the, the crux of the problem here. I've um, the WHO recommends that we have a golden ratio of about one doctor to every five hundred people, um, and that's for doctors. And in terms of healthcare workers, they say one healthcare worker to every two hundred and twenty five people. But what does this ratio actually tell us about the provision of healthcare services in a country? Yeah, the ratio which was put forward by WHO, one is to 500, is actually for a um, uh, guide for uh, many of the countries in the world. I think this figure is probably a bit old in the sense that uh, it was created uh, probably in the uh, late uh, uh, 2000 uh, when um, there was a launching of the Universal Health Coverage uh, 2008 at that time. And at that time, we do, we haven't had any um, major challenges that we face uh, recently. Mm-hmm. For example, our recent uh, experience uh, with COVID-19, it shows really that um, uh, many countries are very vulnerable in terms of their health system, especially on human resource. And as we know that, um, there is no, uh, I would say, uh, a right figure to put forward because there are so many factors that affects the population and also affects the healthcare, healthcare workers. Uh, in terms of the uh, population-wise, uh, we can see that there are a lot of um, new diseases are coming into the picture, which actually need special care. We need, as you know, that uh, nearly seventy to sixty to seventy percent of the healthcare resources are actually being devoted towards uh, providing resources to fight to finance human resource in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is very uh, labor-intensive, and at the same time, we have chronic non-communicable diseases such as cancer diabetes, uh, mellitus, for example, hypertension, and also complication of these diseases. On top of that, we also have a newly emerging diseases, uh, which actually not only have acute uh, uh, feature of that, but there's also a chronic uh, 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 symptoms and signs and also diseases which are related to that. I again like to refer back to the uh, current uh, situation that we face when we are having uh, COVID-19 and now we are dealing with a, a late um, uh, effect of the COVID-19, the long COVID, mm. which actually needs a lot of support, especially for uh, mental health support and also other chronic uh, symptoms that this patient have. So basically, if you look at the overall um, uh, ratio, if we use the population, uh, doctor to population ratio, this is very simplistic. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of things that we have to put forward. Uh, as an economist, we always look at the uh, demand and supply side. And then when you look at the population, normally we cannot just use the population ratio as the only 
uh, factor that we have to uh, we want to take into account when we want to predict the number the number of uh, doctors and also other healthcare staff that we need. We need to look at. Uh, number one, in terms of the uh, demand of the population and also the healthcare needs. Although healthcare needs is very difficult to measure, although we have things like prevalence of diseases at the same time, but demand is also another important factor. The demand for healthcare can actually be uh, very different from time to time. For example, when people face with a very difficult um, uh, health condition, they might demand for more health services. And on top of that, they might demand uh, services that are very personal to them and also of high quality. And everybody wants to see a specialist. Uh, this is where things get uh, very complicated uh, in, 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 in the sense. Overall, uh, if you look at high income country, the ratio is 3.3 uh, uh, to 1,000 uh, uh, population. Malaysia is around uh, 2 per 1,000 at the moment which is equivalent to one in uh, just uh, below 500. Uh, but in the future, there was a study which was actually being uh, uh, carried out and uh, the researcher actually gathered a few uh, doctors and also healthcare staff. They themselves decides uh, on the uh, number of doctors, number of staff that they need. And they predicted that by 2025, we need probably um, a ratio have to actually uh, increase to 2.5 per 1,000 population which is going to be uh, closer to the OECD countries. OECD country is around 3.4, 3.5 per 1,000. And then in uh, year uh, 2030, it was predicted that this figure uh, would be a bit higher. We need probably uh, to increase to 3 per 1,000 population. So it means that we need probably between 90,000 to 114,000 uh, doctors uh, uh, per year, according to this prediction. But this is just uh, looking at the, again, the population uh, uh, to doctor's ratio. But if you look at disease pattern, we might probably have uh, need to look into more detail because certain specialty, uh, for example, uh, we need more psychiatrists for mental health issues. We need more oncologists when we want to talk about uh, managing uh, chronic uh, cancer diseases, for example. And then other conditions like endocrinologists when we want uh, to manage hypertension uh, properly. And then at the same time, uh, countries are spending a lot of resources on curative care. Mm -hmm. So we might need a lot more doctors to be trained on preventive services. Uh, this is where um, public health specialists need to be uh, trained so that they will be able to uh, uh, educate the public and then also uh, make sure that preventive measures are being taken into consideration. So all this is an important factor that we have to look at. It is not a simple uh, uh, looking at the ratio between doctors and population, but what inside that uh, um, uh, system and also the disease pattern as well as demand of the services by the population need to be factored in as well. So, if we could talk a bit about um, JPA's um, uh, decision to drop the scholarships. Now, they based that decision, um, according to the minister, based uh, because based on a um, based on a projected oversupply of medical officers from twenty twenty six to twenty thirty. But what metrics are they were they looking at? Do we know? Yeah, I think um, um, when the decision was made to stop the scholarship before, I think they were just looking at the doctor to population ratio. Mm. And once it uh, goes down below for uh, below 500, they thought that this is already um, uh, adequate. But uh, we were thankful to the current prime minister who actually reversed this decision. I think it was announced uh, uh, last few days that um, government will still provide scholarships uh, uh, to support 
people who want to go and do medicine, dentistry, and also pharmacy. Uh, these are important uh, services. And I must also um, um, uh, suggest that we must also look at nursing uh, staff as well, because a lot of our uh, nursing staff are also um, being pinched out from the country and to work outside the country. And many of the hospitals are having shortage of nurses uh, at the moment, especially when we need more uh, nursing care, when we reach the uh, when we have a lot more pro higher proportion of our population are in the aged group. So. Uh, I think um, when the decision was made, they were just looking at the uh, doctor population ratio of below um, uh, 1 is to 500, as suggested by WHO. But when you look uh, more detail into the requirement and also the uh, other things that we, we put in, especially the demand and also the need for healthcare services, certainly we need to at least maintain the number of doctors that we have now, or we have to increase it gradually. Uh, with a good policy in human resource management in order for us to uh, to ensure that the services are not affected in the future. Before we go into those human resources policy, you know, based on the current status quo, if we if we are able to even at least maintain the number of healthcare workers we have now, with the rising need of healthcare services, you know, how do you see our healthcare system coping in 5, 10, 20 years? Yeah. It's going to be very difficult to predict what are we going to face uh, mm. in the future, given that the uh, health scenario can be very fluid uh, in, in the future, especially with the change in the issues related to climate change and also uh, emerging of new diseases. Certainly, um, the human resource in healthcare is a very challenging area that policymakers have to handle this with care, uh, with care. If we actually mess it up, it will actually have a lot of impact on the, providing good quality services to our population. And somewhere in, in Malaysia, in our, in our country at the moment, our health system are very fragmented. We have uh, um, uh, 77,000 doctors which are split into uh, two different sectors, public and the private sector. And it's very difficult for those in the private sector, which probably consists about 25 to 30% of the doctors in the private sector to contribute in the uh, providing the services to the public health system. The two systems are actually very rigidly separated at the moment. And there is no strong mechanism to make sure that people will be able to access private healthcare services, especially the specialists. As far as uh, um, uh, we know, nearly 70% of our specialists are in the private sector uh, and only 30%, maybe a bit more, in the public sector. Whereas in terms of the healthcare needs, a lot of people with uh, that need specialist care, they go to the public facilities. Mm -hmm. This makes the uh, private, uh, uh, the public uh, sector specialists overwork. And as a result, they may not be able to deliver good quality of care, which is very important aspect that we need to uh, look into. So all these are the challenges that we have to face and we must make sure that we have a very strong mechanism to do the forecasting properly, not only using a simplistic figure like doctor to population ratio, but look into more detail on the various components of the services that need to be prepared for to face future challenges in our health system. Mm, all right, we'll go for a quick break now, Prof. And when we come back, we'll dive into what other metrics we can look into um, to to address this problem of providing healthcare services um, equitably to everyone in Malaysia. On the show with me today is Professor Dr. Dr. Syed Mohammad Aljunit, Professor of Health Economics Policy and Management, and we are discussing the needs of our healthcare system and whether we have the human resources to meet those needs. We'll be right back after a quick break on Live and Learn BFM eighty nine point nine.
Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. On the show with me today is Professor Dr. Dr. Syed Mohamed Aljunit, Professor of Health Economics, Policy and Management. He's also the President of the Malaysian Health Economic Association. He's joining me on the show today to discuss the needs of our healthcare population and whether we have the human resources to meet those needs. Um, and this is coming off recent discussions over the um, initially the dropping of scholarships in uh, medicine, pharmacy and dentistry, among others, by the the, uh, by JPA and over the weekend we also heard that Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim has um, spoken with the department and that these scholarships will continue to be offered. Now before the break we were talking about how um, it, uh, Prof was sharing about how it might be too, it is too simplistic to simply look at the doctor to population ratio when it comes to um, measuring the supply of healthcare workers that we have in the country. Um, Prof, you mentioned that we have to do forecasting properly to take into account different aspects um, to ensure that we are able to meet the needs, the demands of the population. Now, um, I want to talk about distribution, right? How important is that to factor into the number of healthcare workers that we have in the country? Because what we often hear is that a lot of them are centred around the um, big cities around Malaysia, right? Yeah. Um, one of the problems uh, with our human resource in health, especially um, we are talking about highly qualified uh, doctors, specialists, is the distribution there's a distribution not only between public and private sector, but within the public sector uh, is also uh, issues of uh, rural and urban distribution. Mm -hmm. This is not only uh, faced by Malaysia, but many uh, countries, especially developing countries, are facing the same problem. And um, in order for us to uh, 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 try to address this, there are at least uh, two ways. Either to do it uh, through a hard way, uh, uh, carrot and stick, uh, uh, by providing, say, for example, um, strong regulation to uh, make people or doctors who are actually new in the service to go and practice outside by law. But that is the stick part. Uh, in other countries, people try to, policymakers try to give incentive. Uh, for example, in some countries, people who are actually uh, going to work in rural, in rural areas uh, they were given uh, um, special, even in Malaysia, we do have special allowance are given to those who are working in Sabah and Sarawak, for example. Mm -hmm. But other countries like in UK, for example, um, they provide higher rate of reimbursement under the health financing scheme uh, if they were to locate their practice in the uh, rural area. So other form of incentive uh, are given. But of course, again, um, by if we have a we use the regulation, there's always limits to that. People always try to uh, beat the rules by many ways, uh, beat the regulation by in 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 a very um, innovative ways to escape uh, being able to uh, uh, send to work in the uh, rural area in rural area where the facilities may not be there for them to actually continue their uh, to to continue their specialty course and things like that. And then um, uh, if you use incentive. There's always limit to that because resources are always uh, always limited. Mm -hmm. So the other ways is actually to uh, get as many doctors as possible to be in the market. But of course, this is uh, not the best solution. But we have we we will want to, we must make sure that if we want to use this this approach, we have to use it in a way that it is efficient. In other words, for example, if you want to um, uh, put resources to actually uh, train people. Uh, uh, to be doctors, pharmacists, uh, dentists, for example, I would suggest that we use these resources to actually beef up the local capacity to train doctors, nurses, and also um, uh, dentists and pharmacists, rather than sending them uh, uh, to uh, outside Malaysia. I'm sure that it will be much cheaper uh, 
to train them in in Malaysia to increase our local capacity so that we can produce more doctors. Of course, this uh, needs a lot of uh, uh, a lot of support from the different ministries, especially Ministry of Higher Education. Uh, we have uh, we need to have to, to to have more trainers to be sent for training, and then they come back and they work and they uh, contribute to train more doctors in the public sector. I think this is one way to um, to to look at that. The other issue uh, that we face in terms of uh, trying to uh, reduce the um, the migration uh, or the uh, the actually brain drain that we will see from public to the private sector mm-hmm. is actually to provide more incentive uh, to the doctors in the public sector to creation of a special commission on healthcare workers. This is actually to uh, to separate from the usual public sector commission, which deal with other um, uh, other uh, uh, civil service, uh, other civil servants. I think this uh, will probably uh, be able to give more uh, flexibility to this commission to provide more incentive, for example, to be innovative in trying to create a mechanism to reduce the outflow of people from the private uh, public to the private or even to reduce the uh, um, outflow of our highly skilled uh, staff to other countries. Uh, we can see uh, last uh, a few years, especially uh, last year and the so year before that, uh, many of our doctors have moved, uh, moved uh, to other countries because they are not able to be employed within our system because mm. the restrictions that are being faced by the government if we are using the same civil service commission. I think this needs to be to be done as quickly as possible so that the situation would be uh, uh, under control without uh, affecting uh, too much our health system at the moment. Speaking of um, people who go overseas to train, now that's something that's come up uh, that's come up before, Prof. You know, um, a lot of um, people from the medical field, the healthcare field, have also raised concerns over the number of foreign universities um, that we the, that we yeah. recognize here in Malaysia. There are people who are concerned over the quality of healthcare workers who are trained overseas then come back to work in Malaysia. How can we better address that problem? If you look at our neighbors, uh, neighboring countries. Uh, um, the number of uh, foreign recognized universities for doctors, for uh, pharmacists, for dentists, for example, is not as many as Malaysia. Mm. We have more than, I think it's more than 300, if I'm not uh, mistaken, 300 foreign universities were recognized. And uh, this actually uh, uh, leads to uh, a lot of doctors being produced every year, but they are not being able to be placed in the, uh, in the posts that are available currently. I'm talking about a situation where we are still using the same civil service commission, which is not, mm. which of course, this is not uh, not ideal situation. So, I think one way to do that is actually to reduce this. Uh, there are two ways. By reducing this, we have actually uh, will be able to save resources in terms of providing scholarship uh, to those who are going overseas, and at the same time, we'll be able to have a more control in terms of the quality of the healthcare workers that we produce. Uh, it's better for for uh, for our healthcare workers to be actually trained uh, at the primary level, uh, at the basic level for the MDs in our country, rather than going all, uh, going out to be trained in India, in China, for example, um, in in some even in Taiwan, where we do not know the real quality of these services. I think uh, uh, these have to be looked into carefully. I've done, I've uh, uh, spoken about this before, actually, but I think uh, um, the Malaysian Medical Council have to look into this, and uh, they should not actually recognize too many. Uh, foreign uh, universities 
especially to train people at the basic medical degree. Uh, maybe for the postgraduate qualification, we have good outstanding uh, centers in US and also in UK. That is a different story, but mm. the number is much smaller. But if we have uh, for the basic degree, I think we should reduce the number. We are just uh, having too many, and I think it will create a lot of chaos in the system if we don't manage it properly. Mm. I, I guess along a similar vein, uh, YB Armizan Ali also pointed out that the cost of sponsoring one medical student is equivalent to 10 students in other um, non-medical fields. Should we even be making comparisons like that? Um, does it make sense from a financial or even a skills perspective? I have a lot of reservation uh, in terms of this comparison. Because you must remember that healthcare workers, especially doctors, nurses, pharmacies, is uh, not comparable with other uh, other uh, uh, category of staff. Mm -hmm. Because we are dealing with human directly, and we are talking about human health. And remember that we need we need to train these people, and they have to go undergo uh, a lifelong training. It is not only one shot of a training, and we need the cream of the cream of the society to actually be in this field. So comparing this with other um, uh, 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 workers, for example, uh, is not is not is not fair. I think uh, in terms of the even even the responsibility, in terms of the work hours, a lot more uh, uh, longer work hours are actually being uh, demand for from the uh, healthcare workers compared to the other workers. In fact, um, if you look at the our housemen, our uh, medical officers, they are doing uh, much more in terms of hours per week compared to other workers. So um, this is not fair comparison. A lot more, uh, uh, we need to look into the services that they give. We are dealing with human life. I think, uh, to be fair, uh, we should actually um, uh, look at how we can actually uh, train more of them so that they will be able to function properly and, and in the optimum stage to provide good quality care. Now, we have a listener, Cheryl, who WhatsApped in to ask that, uh, to say that I've heard many anecdotal stories of graduates defaulting on the terms of their scholarship where they don't come back to serve their bond but continue to work overseas. So as taxpayers, we're not getting our return of interest. Um, how can we plug those leaks? Well, there are uh, uh, regulations that are being put forward. For example, there are contracts and all that. But even uh, with that, there are still people who feel that uh, um, they they want to actually venture out of the system. And then uh, some of them, they do it because they want to get uh, 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 trained to be a specialist much faster through the usual track. I think uh, um, this is uh, not easy to be sorted out, even uh, if they have to actually uh, buy out their contract. You know, Some of them might want to do that, especially after they, they get a, a specialist qualification outside the country. So the best is actually to reduce the number of uh, um, doctors that we want to train outside Malaysia mm. and then beef up the local universities to actually uh, put more uh, resources to local universities so that we can increase the number of seats available for us to train our doctors, nurses, uh, as well as uh, pharmacists and also dentists locally. This will reduce a lot more uh, uh, issues that we are going to face in the future. Uh, since uh, uh, they, they might have heard that when uh, even after their housemanship, they may not be able to get a, a contract working with Ministry of Health, a lot of uh, our doctors might feel that it's better for them to just uh, um, continue working uh, after their first degree to actually uh, uh, stay outside uh, Malaysia before coming back to Malaysia. This uh, is not easy to be to be, to be be tackled. Uh, although we have the contract and all that, it is not easy. It's better for us to do uh, more macro ways of trying to manage this 
by reducing the uh, uh, sending them out by beefing our local uh, universities to train more doctors locally. So is it then a good idea for JPA to continue offering these scholarships for students um, who are who want to venture into the medical field? Yeah, I think uh, this is uh, um, we still need that. But then you have to actually target it properly, mm. reorganize the whole system, provide more scholarships, provide more support for people to actually to be trained um, uh, in in recognized universities, especially um, the local universities. And then we should reduce the number of um, recognized institutions outside Malaysia, especially those uh, that we find that the quality may not be uh, as good compared to uh, other uh, recognized or other uh, well-to-do or well-organized well, uh, uh, organ uh, universities outside Malaysia. Mm. Now, um, I guess in the background of all these discussions, uh, are, pe are people who are still waiting for the health white paper to be tabled, do you think something like that could include reforms or, or, or is including reforms that would touch on this human resource matter? Yeah, if you look at the health white paper, there are uh, four pillars. I think some of the pillars touch upon uh, human resource part, especially um, uh, trying to share out the burden between public and the private sector where this will actually help the population. But the pillar number three on financing to me, that is uh, probably very interesting because mm -hmm. this will actually change the scenario of our health system. Uh, currently, um, our uh, strong dividing uh, wall between public and private sector can be broken down if we have a common health financing system where people can go and seek healthcare in the public or the private sector, uh, just like our neighbor, for example, Thailand and, and Indonesia and Vietnam, through the health penalty scheme. In that way, we will be able to capitalize uh, specialists who are working in the private sector. Um, there are 70% of them, but their workload is much, much less compared to those who are especially in the public sector um, through a proper uh, financing mechanism. And then they will be compensated uh, uh, re properly with a well-defined uh, tariff that they will be able to function properly. I think health financing do probably help to solve some of these issues and, and uh, it will help actually to uh, bring Malaysia to another stage in terms of uh, reforming the health system from the financial perspective. Hmm. I guess, uh, and to round up our discussion today, Prof, you know, we started the discussion talking about ideal ratios and then we expanded it to look at what other metrics we need to consider. To what extent should we continue to collect data on these sorts of numbers, um, things like number of doctors per population? How much will it continue to help us guide um, policy decisions? Yeah. Um, I think uh, there were, uh, from the academic perspective, uh, research perspective, there are a lot of discussion on this actually, because what we are doing now, uh, using the uh, population to uh, doctors to population ratio is not ideal. We should be able to uh, use more sophisticated ways of trying to forecast. For example, people are talking about uh, uh, using a modeling method to mm -hmm. Uh, to bring in more parameters, especially parameters in terms of quality of care, in terms of demand of the population, and also uh, uh, some trigger points within the system that might actually make a lot of difference in terms of uh, uh, the defining how many people, how many uh, staff that we need for each particular services. So the system, uh, uh, healthcare system are going to be more complex in the future. And I think our forecasting need to be more sophisticated. And we cannot actually depend on the way that we do uh, things today uh, in a simplistic way. So we have to actually uh, use a lot more resources available. And with the artificial intelligence available now, we should be able to do modeling much better. And we hope that this will help 
us to actually shape our health system in a better way. All right. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us today, Prof. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to Professor Dr. Dr. Syed Mohamed Aljunaid, Professor in Health Economics, Policy and Management. He's also the President of the Malaysian Health Economic Association. And we've been discussing whether or not we do actually have an oversupply of medical graduates or doctors in the country and how we can better model um, future numbers so that we are able to adequately meet the healthcare needs of the population. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcast on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Live and Learn BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.